The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of the Belmont Media Center or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Welcome to the Hopeless Fancast, the podcast that loves fans as much as fans love pop culture. I'm your host, Eileen Maxson. Before you listen to our show, be pre-warned. There will be spoilers. For today's episode, we are talking to MJ, who is a project manager from Maryland, about the show Mr. Robot. Hey, MJ, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, like I like to go by project manager because I actually work in the biotech field. Uh-huh. And I figure I consider myself a scientist when I'm around a bunch of uh, people who work in administrative. But when I'm around like research and development people or other scientists, I'm strictly a project manager. So I figure anyone listening to a, a Mr. Robot podcast is probably going to want to consider me a project manager. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> Well, before we start, I do want to say something to our listeners. Before every episode, uh, in the beginning, I mentioned that there are going to be spoilers. In this particular case, that is particularly important. If you have not seen Mr. Robot, you need to stop this podcast right now, go and watch it all, and then come back and listen, (laughs) because we are going to discuss all the spoilers and if you're spoiled before you see it you miss out on a big part of what makes Mr. Robot awesome so yes so now having said that we are going into spoilers okay so um, I'll start by asking the question that I ask everybody what do you love about Mr. Robot oh my goodness well so my favorite thing about Mr. Robot is definitely the music Um, that's something that I think is very special about Mr. Robot that takes it away from other series. Other series can have, you can have uh, incidental music that's really great, or you can have pop music that intersperses or plays during different uh, scenes. Mr. Robot manages to take the music and put it in a different way that introduces characters, it can uh, juxtaposition a scene and give it a completely different tone. And that's one of my favorite things about Mr. Robot, because Mr. Robot manages to set a mood that other television shows don't. And if you've watched uh, different scenes, like when um, Elliot is walking through uh, the FBI and all the papers are flying and the second waltz is playing, Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite scenes when it comes to music, because that scene that that is a happy little classical piece, it's fun, and this absolute chaos going on Elliot is full of calm as he's walking through it and this this piece of music is playing it's really beautiful or uh during the scene where uh, Elliot is having the dream sequence in the second season mm-hmm. and uh twinkle twinkle little rock stars cover of basket case is playing yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah piece of music uh, because it's it's such a fun moment when you if you've never heard Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar before, when you realize that that's what it's basket case that's playing yes. in the background of this this scene that is so high tension 
because it's all of Elliot's kind of delusions coming together. And, you know, you're part of his dream sequence as well. And they managed to do that a lot. They have a, they have a couple of really great Depeche Mode songs. And uh, well, one of my favorite Depeche Mode songs plays in there, Walking in My Shoes. And they have such great music. And it creates this kind of tone to Mr. Robot that you can't find in any other television show that is on the air right now. It's true, yeah. Their their music selection game is definitely on point. Like yeah. I remember watching that scene and having that tinkly, you know, lullaby music in the background. And I was watching with my husband, Pete, and all of a sudden he turns to me and he says, Oh my God, it's basket case. Yeah. I was like, Oh my god, it totally is. Yeah, that that is a great answer. Yeah, I love it. And that's I think is one of the most fun parts of the show is watching how they did my my husband used to be a music major so he'll recognize classical pieces that are playing i didn't know the second waltz prior to that scene hmm. i just was like this is such an inappropriate song to play <laughs> during this moment and it was so inappropriate as to be completely appropriate because of mr. the way that mr robot is as a show jeff was my, my husband jeff was so pumped uh, to hear that song because he loves that piece of music and the way that they integrated it into the show it's great yeah they also do a lot with like 80s music which is wonderful particularly they will do a lot of uh, I think it's mostly in the third season it might be some in the second season too when they kind of lean in really heavily to the uh, the whole back to the future thing and yes. so they have the Back to the Future music, both the music that's within it and also the, the soundtrack music. At one point they play, I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's the, the song in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they wind up like accidentally going to the future. That song that's in the background plays yeah. at one point uh, when Elliot and Angela are like sitting on either sides of her door when she's like started completely losing her mind and oh he's come to try to, to to try to help her and they play that song and it's perfect yeah which really goes to the whole kind of nostalgia thing about it too yeah it's it is a show that like when you watch it you kind of you ask the question what you know you can wonder what kind of time period does this show take place in because you you immediately think oh it takes place in modern era it must take place in modern era because you've got trump and you've got uh, the different modern things are taking place. You've got Obama. But at the same time, there is such a major sense of nostalgia in this series and yet also a sense of, like, a future time going on. Right. That this, this kind of playing with time t absolutely takes place in this series as it's occurring while you're watching it. It's kind of reminiscent of if, if you ever watched the early 2000s movie Sin City, which, when you would watch that movie, you could not pin when that movie really took place. If it wasn't for this series having the modern politics playing in the background, you really couldn't pin when this series was taking place. Because is it taking place in the in the you know in the 90s? Is it taking place in the 80s? And they they managed to put a couple of very specific pins in. Like, I, I get a you know a real uh, impression of pushing the pin into the different places in time to show you this is absolutely when it's taking place because otherwise there's so much time messing around that you're not sure. Right. Which, uh, you know, could have a lot to do too with Elliot's state of mind. That there is the question of exactly at what point in time and at what place in his life is Elliot residing 
at any one moment. Is he trapped in the, the part where he was he was a child and in his, his relationship with his father, you know, is he completely unaware of his surroundings and is hallucinating everything? He's a very interesting character in the sense that we see everything through his eyes. And so, you know, the things that we see and that we experience, we can never be entirely sure that they're actually accurate. Absolutely. It's like the scene where you uh, you meet Trenton's brother. You're walking around that whole scene, and I spent that entire uh, that entire episode saying he is not real. He cannot be real because yeah. it doesn't make any sense that he's wandering around with him and that he's he's experiencing these things. And we left that entire episode still not sure if he was real because everything that Elliot experiences is completely suspect. But he is still our protagonist. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of taken back to um, another television show, uh, Sherlock, that airs on BBC. Yes. Where originally our main protagonist was John Watson, and he was a reliable protagonist. And they moved, by the end of the second season, they switched uh, viewpoints and took us to an unreliable protagonist uh, and gave us Sherlock as the main character to, to view things through. And it became a very, a very shocking shift in view. One of the nice things about Mr. Robot is they start us out with an unreliable protagonist and they keep us with an unreliable protagonist throughout the entire series. And even when it becomes very difficult to maintain Elliot's viewpoint and they could take us through Darlene's eyes or Trenton and Mobley's eyes and really like show us what's really going on, mm-hmm. they don't. They continue to pull us back to Elliot and show us what Elliot is seeing or give us someone like Angela who is also unreliable because her own um, mental facilities are really, really uh, suspect. Right. Well, one of the great things about the show is that they really trust their audience, you know, that they, they trust that we're going to watch and we're going to continue trying to figure things out even when nothing makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, they, they show us Darlene and they show us her acting really strangely and allow that to kind of be strange for a while because they know that when they make that reveal that Darlene is actually Elliot's sister, then it will be much better if we now have this history with her and have been thinking of her the same way that Elliot thinks of her uh, in her being this, you know, crazy person who is breaking into his apartment for no reason whatsoever. I actually had that spoiler spoiled for me. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I had that spoiled for me, so... Oh, man. When I was watching it the first time around, um, I knew that she was his sister, so a lot of those strange behavior I understood. Right. Um, but I can only imagine how weird it must have been to watch and be like, why is she talking to Angela? And then to have it revealed. Like, I wish I could go back and not have that. That was the only thing I was spoiled on for this series. Fortunately, um, everything else was very surprising, and I think is one of the reasons why the series is so good, is because... You can be spoiled on even like one or two things and still end up being so surprised on so many things. Yeah, there is that that episode. It's the first time that you start to wonder if there's something else going on. And that's when, you know, she goes to ballet class and and Angela is there and they start talking to each other because they know each other. And you're like, wait, what? How do they know each other? Because you never think of it as being anything other than how Elliot's thinking of it until that happens. But I love how they give us that little key to it that 
Elliot says at the beginning, he hates E-Corp so much that every time he hears it, he hears Evil Corp. As it goes through, you know, people are calling it Evil Corp. His boss, his friends, um, yep. the people on TV calling it Evil Corp. And that's just that little kind of reminder that we're seeing everything through his eyes. And you don't really think about it when you're first watching the show. You're just like, like, ha, 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 look at that. And then as the show starts to progress and you start to realize how much perception is actually being played with in the show, you start to realize that's actually a big deal that you can't even hear the way things are actually really said in the in the show. Right. You can't see what's really going on. You think it's just a just a funny way that the show is until you keep watching. I think it's really funny that you said that they really trust their audience because that takes me to the, you, you gave me a list of questions and that uh-huh. takes me to my second question when they so far managed to kill off every single one of my favorite characters. Oh no. <laughs> and they know that I'm still going to keep watching. Right. <laughs> I'm like, they like, but first of all, my, one of my favorite characters is Trenton. Absolutely love Trenton. I, I was rooting for Trenton and Darlene to become an item in the first season. Yeah. Um, I think that they were hinting toward it too. And then Trenton went through so much and then they killed her. And I was devastated. <laughs> um, like we're talking like full body sobs. Oh, and they killed her. And yeah. uh, I, I also like, I loved, I loved Elliot's boss. And that was like a very shocking sudden death. Yeah. And, uh, and they managed to throw in these, these people who you get so invested in and so extremely attached to. And then they just, they kill them. Yeah. And uh, you, you're left kind of going, but but why? Like, <laughs> what? Why? Why couldn't that person survive a little longer? And you're 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 so thrown. But then you're you're you have to realize that that is absolutely what would happen. They were playing the game, and they got shot in the car, and they got shot in the head, and they're, they're dead. There's no coming back from that. They don't get a happy a happy ending. They get to die immediately. They were fighting with. A dark army they get to be horribly assassinated and i end up sitting here like going why do i keep watching this and falling in love with these people and <laughs> darlene's next i know she is <laughs> damn it it's a hard show to watch sometimes oh yeah yeah i, I almost wish darlene would die because it feels <laughs> so bad for her She's been through so much, and watching her evolve from this take-no-crap, uh, wears huge eyelashes, uh, wears a lot of makeup, prances around, um, character into this, you know, then she eventually is, you see she has panic attacks, and she can't, and, you know, she can't hold together her group, and then eventually she is, you know, wearing no makeup, sitting in, sitting in a car, crying because person she genuinely cared for she has just ruined their life and she has no one she only has Elliot right she's lost all of her friends everyone she's ever loved is gone all she has is Elliot and Elliot is not together I almost I feel so bad for her I, I almost wish she would die I'm like, <laughs> like oh man die or for the love of God go to witness protection or something and get away from Elliot seriously yeah that that scene the way that that scene ended where everybody goes into the barn and it doesn't happen the way that you think it it's going to, which made that scene kind of, you know, amazing because y- you literally had no idea what was going to happen. Um, when Dom wound up, instead of being killed with the axe, 
she wound up being recruited into the dark army it's like that was a complete surprise you know they were doing basically the smell the flowers thing um and then they turn and they kill the other guy but yeah how it, it ends up with darlene just totally stripped down and just the harshest f you i have ever heard coming out of dom um you know saying that you are a horrible person um, and she says, live with that, die with that, and walks off. And it's yeah. really powerful. One of the things I love the most about the show is characters like Dom. Uh, you know, as a member of the LBGT community myself, it's really difficult to see characters who are lesbians, who are bisexual, who aren't the token LBGT character in a show. Right. Like, you'll see a character, like, I think back to like the early 2000s where you had dark angel and you had original cindy and she was a lesbian and that was her her role was being a lesbian and also she has other character you didn't even realize that dom was a lesbian for an entire season right came out through the fact that she was into darlene and then it's like oh well the story that she told before makes sense because she realized her sexuality and she left the person she was with and but it it's because Dom is all of these other things and also a lesbian. Right. And I love it also because you have like white Rose who is transgender and is also a bad guy Yeah. because people who are LBGT are good guys. They're bad guys. They're people. And you don't often see that because they're so hard. There's, there, there's so few of them on television. So few of them as characters that you don't get to see them in roles where they get to play villains, in roles where they get to play complicated, interesting individuals. They just get to be token characters. I love Mr. Robot so much because you get really complicated characters like White Rose, like Dom, who are able to be so multidimensional, who are able to mess up, who are able to be horrible people. And I just love it so much. And Darlene is one of the best interpretations of a bisexual character on TV because she loves men and she loves women and she does it equally. She doesn't just love women during sweeps week, which is what you see a lot on on standard TV. Yeah. Looking at you house. Absolutely. (laughs) Please. Yeah. It's like, that was, that was one of the most challenging interpretations of bisexuality. She, only was into women when it was really, really pretty and convenient. Right, right. And, like, Darlene, you got to see, you know, she was truly in love with a man, and then she, you got to watch her fall for and also really screw up a relationship with a woman. Right. Like, some beautiful little pastel throwing things up in the air, you know, the L word style romance with a, uh, with a woman. She, she messed it up, and she messed it up bad. Because she's a person, and I love it. Like, I love that. And I think that that's one of the things that makes Mr. Robot such a special show. And when I talk to people about how I think it really impacts the LBGT community, I talk about how it, it, shows, it shows people who are LBGT as people. Yeah, like White Rose, you mentioned, is probably my favorite character. Other than Elliot, because Elliot is awesome. But White Rose is my favorite. And it it's very much because... She's transgender and also playing a man in a man's world. You know, usually 
the way that that's portrayed is that it kind of has the feeling that they're pretending to be a woman and they're really a man. But in this case, it's very clear that she is a woman. Yeah. And that when she is playing the male character, she is playing that role. That she is most genuinely herself when she is expressing herself as female. And then just the character is so amazing. Uh, oh. The machinations that, that she puts into play, the way that she's able to manipulate people and be like completely in control of every situation, it's fantastic. So I have a question for you. Yes. Are you purple or red? It's from the computer screen that miss, that that she had for. Angela. Oh right, right. Am I purple or red? I think oh, I would have gone with purple. Yes. <laughs> and that's that, like, yeah. Like, are you a giraffe or a seagull? And it was like a bunch of very random questions. And I remember like sitting there and like I, I and I I was watching that and it was like these questions that were like, are you a giraffe or a seagull? And they seem so random, but I had a very, I had very strong opinions about whether or not I was a giraffe or a seagull. Are you a giraffe or a seagull? (laughs) I am absolutely a giraffe. Awesome. Yep, me too. (laughs) Am I red or purple? And I, like, Angela was like, I'm purple. And I'm like, well, I'm red. I don't know about you, Angela. (laughs) And it's like, and the questions came up and I had such very strong opinions about which one I was. And they were such... They seemed like such silly questions, but when Angela was answering them with that, you know, she knew her answers. I was like, I know them too. And I thought that was such a neat, like, such a neat scene because it was so bizarre. And I feel like it's going to come back later and we're going to find out what it means. I can't wait. Well, there's that scene later where um, the guy who's played by, I want to say Wallace Shawn, you know, uh, Vizzini in uh, The Princess Bride. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where he sits down with Tyrell and starts asking him questions like, do you hate your father? Have you cheated on your wife? And have you had sex with anyone since you were married? And just ask these questions over and over and over again and is marking down on his paper when he is lying. And the operative question and the one that he wants the true answer for is, will you be loyal to me? He asks them over and over and over again until he breaks him down and absolutely gets the the honest answers to everything. Um, And I think that that's that's something also that's being done with Angela in that scene, that they're trying to break her down so that the answers that they're getting from her are the answers that are just like, you know, at the pit of her stomach. You know, the, the things that she's just feeling definitively in that moment in order to get her to the point where she is able to be sufficiently submissive that she can meet White Rose and absorb everything White Rose wants her to absorb. So can we also talk real quick about my favorite love triangle in this show, which is Elliot, Mr. Robot, and Tyrell? Oh my God, yes. It, that love yeah. triangle is so good. Yes. Like, when, when Mr. Robot wakes up in the hospital bed and looks at Tyrell, I'm like, oh, my God, he loves him. Yeah. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. It is. Yeah. It's and so good. 
Yeah, yeah. And like getting to the point where you've watched Tyrell be the sort of person who, you know, follows the secretary to the gay club that he goes to in order to like bring him back to his apartment, have sex with him, and then use his phone in order to get him himself, you know, in the system or whatever. You've seen him be so manipulative. And then when it comes to Elliot, he is wide-eyed puppy love. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he doesn't love Mr. Robot. He loves Elliot. And Elliot does not love Tyrell. But Mr. Robot, I think, loves Tyrell. I think that this season three has added a new element to this lovely little triangle, which is Angela, because Elliot loves Angela. Mm-hmm. And I think that Angela is falling for Mr. Robot right now. Yes. Um, whether or not the two of them actually um, had sex in the third season is still up for grabs. Um, I currently have a bet out, and I say that they did. Oh, boy. During that week that Elliot lost. Right. I think that Mr. Robot was all about the, yeah, I'm going to manipulate this poor woman because I can. And because Mr. Robot doesn't care. He doesn't care that he hurts her. And Elliot says that Angela always falls in love with people who hurt her. Right. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. And I think it's this lovely little circle now where Elliot is in love with Angela. Angela's in love with Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot's in love with Tyrell. And Tyrell's in love with Elliot. Oh, my God. It's a yeah. it's a love quadrangle, something like that. Quadrangle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> you 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 need to like you know do a crazy wall and put up their pictures and start running strings everywhere, you know. Oh my goodness, and I would too. That's <laughs> how invested in these ships I get. Like I'm I'm very invested in Elliot and Angela. Like it's it's kind of a problem. Yeah. I, I just want them. It, I I almost want them to work out as much as I want Dom and Darlene to work out. <laughs> and I wanted, uh, but I also wanted Trenton to be happy. That was all I wanted. She didn't have to end up with anyone. She just had to be happy. And now she's dead. So clearly, yeah. Mister Robot isn't giving me the things that I want, and yet I still go back to it. Yeah. Like like a poor <laughs> lost puppy, I follow it around. Right. Go, right. Robot, give me more. <laughs> So good. So good. Which surprise in the show shocked you the most? Because there's so many of them. Oh, my goodness. I think, honestly, the thing that surprised me the most was when we realized that all the explosions were taking place all over the entire country. Yes. Because I was not surprised at all when we found out that Mr. Robot was in Elliot's head. Yeah, me neither. I called (laughs) that by, like, episode three, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Fight Club fan, and yep. I saw that one coming. Yep, me too. I, I turned to Pete, and I said, this is Fight Club with computers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, but but it's still extremely well done. Yes. But I did not see him being in prison. That one, that one completely threw me. But the one where it looked like he had, he had, he had, like, solved it, and he's walking around, and you see in the background everyone looking so devastated, and I'm like, something's happened. But I have no idea what it is. Right. And if you look back at everything that has that happened in the past, you have um, Tyrell putting the putting all the pins inside all the different pieces in the countries. Like Tyrell knew what was happening, blowing up all the different all, all the different buildings, but we didn't. It all the pieces are there showing that they were going to have this massive terrorist movement. That 
really threw me. And I was sitting there slack jawed going, oh my God, this really just happened. And yeah, but Mr. Robot is the kind of show that will be like, I'm sorry, you all need to be shaken up. We'll go ahead and kill 900 people. Right. <laughs> oh God. And, yeah. Or it, it was actually, it was more than that. I think it was, it was like, like 4,000 4, people. 4,000 people. Yeah. We'll, we'll just, we'll just, let's just kill 4,000 people on the show. Let's just do it. <clears throat> like that, they kill 4,000 people and have, and, you know, make their, one of their main characters completely lose her mind over it. Yeah. And Angela's um, mental breakdown after that was so upsetting because you can't decide if she is actually, like, onto something, if there's actually, like, some sort of time disruption going on, or if she's just, she's gone. Like, she's super lost it because she just killed 4,000 people because of what she did. And, you know, you see that, that flashback scene with her, with her mother, when, like, it's such a weird scene because it's like her mom is having, like, an okay, I'm gonna die party um, with the cake that says, see you in another life, um, and all the friends, and, you know, she's there having decided not to continue her cancer treatments. It's such a weird scene, and it makes me really uncomfortable. But, you know, little Angela goes to her mom, and her mom basically tells her, you know, this isn't the end. I'm always going to be with you. And that was like this little seed that was inside Angela the whole time. Almost like it was like a crack in her foundation that, you know, once the pressure got to be too much to bear, it just cracked wide open. So that was actually a seed in my conspiracy theory. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> if you look at that scene really, really through a conspiracy theorist's mind, and uh -huh. also you have several glasses of wine which i have done both of these <laughs> so you do that and you look at it you see you in another life uh-huh it doesn't say goodbye it right. says see you in another life and she specifically says to angela i will always be with you this says to me if you're looking at this from a purely sci-fi standpoint which this show doesn't have any sci-fi elements and i think i need to like clarify that this show is not a sci-fi show yet but if this show <laughs> was a sci-fi show, uh -huh. then she could be, they could be putting her into a machine that would send her to another universe. Huh. And they're going to see her in another life. Or they could be putting her into like a cryostasis where they're going to wake her up and see her in another life. I don't think that they were actually, she was actually going to stop her cancer treatment and die. Either she was going to go into another life, like a, like a parallel universe, or she thought she was. Now, think about it this way. Imagine that this is a sci-fi show, uh -huh. and she was going to go to an alternate universe. Now, also imagine at the same time, Elliot's dad was going to go to an alternate universe. He was going to do it, too. Hmm. He, didn't, he didn't actually have cancer. He was just going to go to an alternate universe. And something happened, and he got stuck. And Elliot, uh, sorry, Mr. Robot, who is in Elliot's mind, is not a fragment of Elliot. He is his dad from an alternate universe. Oh, my gosh. And that's <laughs> why he's stuck with him. And that's wow. why he falls around and why he abuses him is because he is actually his dad from an alternate universe. And these people... The reason why they're all from the same job, the same area, is because they were chosen to go to a different universe. And we still don't know what happened with the day of 
Kevin McAllister. I'm right. thinking something happened to Elliot, like a portal opened, something really super sci-fi, and this this Mr. Robot came out who is actually his dad and has been like living inside of Elliot ever since. That's my sci-fi two cents. <laughs> it, but I believe that I am right. <laughs> I think that's going to end up coming out that this is some, that that machine that we saw that white Rose was building is uh-huh. another one of those universe builder universe switchers. And she wants to go somewhere else another universe one possibly one where she's more accepted maybe one where she was born a woman and never has to deal with all of the incredible challenges she's dealing with i don't know but whatever it is she wants to go there and so she's building this machine but she has built it before in other worlds wow huh that would be really interesting when when it came to the end of season three, I was very much thinking, you know, well, there's going to be a season four because they've renewed it. But where could they go? I mean, you know, it, it really very much feels like things have been, you know, kind of the bow has been tied. The hack has been undone. Uh, they've given White Rose what White Rose wants. And so, you know, she's off doing her thing. And yeah, the car rolls up and it's the the guys who had uh, murdered Elliot's girlfriend in the first season. But, you know, it's very much like, how, how is there going to be really much of anything interesting going on past this point? And I think that it would be very interesting if it does become a sci-fi show and, and that it be, you know, revealed that it's been a stealth sci-fi show the entire time definitely things having to do with time travel i like the idea that you know maybe elliot actually is kind of possessed um by like you know an interdimensional creature it's really interesting seeing uh elliot's dad in the flashbacks though that in the flashbacks he seems like a really nice person like, you know, a nice, good person who, who cares about Elliot, who cares about Angela and Angela's mom. And he didn't do the main evil thing that Elliot remembers him doing, that being, you know, throwing him out the window. So, yeah, so there was really kind of a question in my mind of why is it that Mr. Robot is so different from how Elliot's dad actually was? Just give him a goatee? And call him your evil alternate self. There you go. <laughs> he remembers him throwing him out the window, and he remembers it because it was this alternate universe guy, um, Mr. Robot, or Elliot's dad, coming in and essentially pushing him out the window as he sucked into his body. <laughs> I- it's possible. I mean, you know, Angela talks about how he snapped and starts, like, swinging his baseball bat. There could very well be something that just that happened in that moment to throw things, you know, off the rails. So but yeah, but it's interesting because when he talks about that moment of, you know, having gone out the window and when Angela tells him that he jumped, you know, in most other things, when he's told what reality and I'm doing air quotes now, what reality is, then he remembers what it is you know he remembers that darlene is his sister he remembers that he's actually been in jail the whole time 
But in this case, there was like no remembering. He's like, okay, well, I, I guess I jumped because that's what Darlene says. But he doesn't kind of have that realization of, oh, yeah, that's right. Stealth sci-fi. Stealth sci-fi. I, 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 I want everyone listening to, when you watch this and it comes out, I want you to know I was right. <laughs> Thank you. As I, I'm here all week. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> Try the meal. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, call, I called it last season while we were watching it, and I've been waiting for you to watch the show so I could talk to you about it. <laughs> That's my big theory, and I'm pretty confident in it. I actually haven't seen that theory on any of the uh, on any of the Mr. Robot boards. I did um I did post that theory on a Mr. Robot board. I want to say maybe six months ago, uh-huh. and it was brought it was met with a lot of tension. People don't really want the show. There's a group of people who want the show to be really sci-fi. And they've got some ideas that the show is sci-fi, that there's time travel involved, that sort of thing. Right. There's a lot of people who watch Mr. Robot who really don't want it to be sci-fi. That they say the show is not a sci-fi show. The show is a psychological drama. The show is, uh, it's it's an interpersonal drama. It is not a sci-fi show. And they are very concerned because they see these different sci-fi elements coming in. Right. And that's where the show is going. Me, I'm pumped about it. Like, <laughs> dial me in i love sci-fi like absolutely Give sure me more sci-fi. but i think that it will be it will be very interesting to see how fans react a lot of people are very pro this show because they they like the way that elliot's mental illness is portrayed in this show right and if it's not actually a mental illness it's him being possessed some people got to get really frustrated and be like this is not a, a an accurate portrayal of someone with a mental illness and if there's sci-fi elements, people might get frustrated because it's um, it's just it's not what they were looking for. Some people are super anti-sci-fi in general, mm-hmm. so we'll have to see what happens, see the direction that they take it. I just know that I'm gonna like it because a lot of shows can make it through their first and second season, and then third season comes along and it just it it dwindles out. Right. Um, and this show manages to do three three extremely solid seasons that kept me on the edge of my seat kept me guessing every single moment and all of the lead actors are fantastic i follow mark volstrom on uh on instagram and he is extremely beautiful and <laughs> he I, really is yeah oh gosh he's, he's just he's just a good he's amazingly gorgeous yeah <laughs> oh it's like and, those uh, eyes yeah <gasps> yeah <laughs> he's just it's got an accent i just can't handle myself anyway, <laughs> taking it back take it back a moment but no like right. it's they're all such extremely talented actors and actresses and they haven't none of them have failed they've all done such an incredibly wonderful job even if their role has been small the director of the fbi he has a relatively small role in the third season but every single scene he's in is dynamic yeah you you can i even feel bad for him when you realize the position he's been put in by the dark army right like I'm pumped when he finally dies. Like I'm like, <laughs> he you, was a jerk. Yeah, he was a jerk. But you like, you're at the same time, you're kind of like, that poor guy was put in the position that Dom is now in. Yeah, and you kind of see Dom's future in that yeah. moment too. Absolutely, and she's she's gonna have to face that now and figure out what she wants to do because she that could be her in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I'm hoping that she will stand up to it. Because I always thought that she would be the one who was like, nope, 
not going to do it. I am too good and too pure. And she was not. Um, she had a breaking point and they found it. Which is, you know, it's what the Dark Army does. They find your breaking point and then they push you to it. One of the things that's really interesting about this show, too, is that, you know, you've mentioned it before, that there aren't any good guys and bad guys, that everybody is a mixture of both. And I think that Dom was probably like the purest soul (laughs) going into the end of the third season, that she was really someone who you know, was constantly going for the right thing and, you know, doing the right thing and for the right reasons. And she had her own, you know, she was human, but she still was kind of the one that was most, her direction was still mostly in the right direction. And which is what makes what happened to, what happens to her at the end of season three, all the more powerful that they're like, yep, no more. They've totally debased her and turned her into the one thing that she said that she would never, ever be. You know, she is now a traitor. The only other character who was as perfect a cinnamon roll as Dom was Trenton. Yes. <laughs> we mention that I love Trenton. Um, and not by the end of that season, she's not wearing her headscarf anymore. She's left her family. Yep. She And, and then she ends up being portrayed as a traitor even though she's not her family is forced to accept that they're forced out of their home which is the one thing she didn't want to have happen right and and she's forced to like look like she killed herself yeah it's like not only do they kill my favorite characters they debase them they basically more or less killed dom dom's heart at the end of this third season right and here's the thing i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna keep watching it yeah no matter what, because this is such a well-crafted show. It really is. It's so amazing. Just, you know, the characters and the dialogue is wonderful. And the cinematography is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a great um, Saturday Night Live skit about yes! Mr. Yes! <laughs> they, have, they show, like, the per- like, no, 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 let's get you in the center of the frame. Because they're always pulling him off of the wrong side of the frame. But right. I love it because it like you're watching it, you know you're watching Mr. Robot because it is very uniquely Mr. Robot. Right. Yeah, I remember at one point, uh, like after we had watched a show, we were watching Saturday Night Live, and like the uh, the skit that they did on Saturday Night Live was like done a couple of years ago, and I remembered seeing it, and luckily I didn't remember enough of it because of course they spoil the whole you know Mr. Robot thing in the skit. But I remember seeing it and, you know, kind of being aware of it, but having not watched the show. And so we had been watching uh, Mr. Robot, Pete and I, and then we watched Saturday Night Live. And Pete's like, you know, Pete Davidson would be perfect as Elliot. I'm like, oh, my God, they've already done it. So I like search it out on YouTube and show it to Pete. And he's like, yep, that's that's that is the the thing that you have to do at that point. It's like yep. Pete Davidson is, you know, he looks very much like uh, Rami Malik, if that's yep. how you pronounce it, which I'm not sure. We have to watch a we have to watch the Stephen Colbert uh, interview with him because he does discuss how to pronounce his last name. Ah, I'm sure everyone will be will be talking about how his last name is pronounced after um, Bohemian Rhapsody comes out, which yes. I'm also very excited about. Oh man, oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be so good. I love Queen, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, me too. It'll be fantastic. 
Oh, yeah. He's such a great actor. He is. He has excellent range. I remember him back when he was in um, uh, the, the Night at the Museum, and he played a, he played one of the exhibits in Night at the Museum. Was he one of the, like, Roman soldiers? Or? No, he, he was uh, he was Tutankhamun. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he was in Twilight, and then, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I follow, I follow actors, and then, uh, <laughs> and then he moved on and did a couple other small roles, and then he was in this, and ever since this, he's been he he's been a little typecast in kind of the unusual characters, but uh-huh. mostly he's been able to like spread out and do a variety of people because he has such a great range, right? And, oh, he's so he's so good, mm, so much love. <laughs> I can't wait to see the rest of these actors do more roles. I want to see the actress who plays Darlene in a few more things, too, because she's so wonderful. Yeah, she really is. Also beautiful. Super love. Mm, yeah, that's right. Love, love. <laughs> but yeah, poor Trenton. Oh, like, Trenton. Uh, that, was, that was one of the hardest scenes, really, to watch. Because, you know, you just know that it's going wrong. And, you know, when they're out in the desert and they're, you know, burying uh, Mowgli's friend, uh, Mowgli, Mowgli's friend. Mowgli, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, Trenton's like, maybe we're being recruited. We're being recruited into the Dark Army. And you hold on to that hope that maybe it is something as simple as that and they're going to be fine. And then they sit down. They see the computers with the the, – the code that's going to crash all the planes and they realize it's already written what do you need us for and then it's like yeah that's that's what they need you for but they they managed to hold you out your hope all the way until the end like yeah. because then they have you know the scenes of them coming into the house at the same time yes. and you break in and save them but then you realize that actually took place in the future right and it's, why would you do this to me I was yeah. holding out for a hero. I was hoping you would save my girl. I mean, I love, I love Mobley. I thought Mobley was an excellent character. Yeah, a really multi-dimensional character, extremely well acted. Yes. Um, but Trenton was my girl. Like that was my girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I loved the scene where we we saw her and uh, Darlene like early in the first season, and there's that scene where Darlene like comes into the room and Trenton is is praying. Yeah. Um, you know, facing east and, uh, you know, kneeling and bowing and everything. And it, you know, something that was was just so, so simple. You know, it's it's very much like the um, the portrayal of, you know, the LGTB characters, uh, LGBT, sorry. Yes, okay. characters. Um, and at the same time, you know, having her be Muslim and having it be something that is just part of who she is and it's not what defines her that what defines her is her dedication to her family and her dedication to her friends and you know that she's just this good person who got caught up in some bad stuff yeah so, we also mentioned yeah. the fact that she was like 17 because that was the, her date of birth was on the bottom of her little tag that oh, Dom was had it? on the wall. Oh, and she man. was like 17. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Jeff and I were like calculating the date, and it was like she was like either 16 or 17. Oh, man. And I was like, that is that is extremely upsetting. We should all be, we should all be bothered by this. Right, right. Like, 
at least Darlene is in her twenties. Yeah, Trent was seven, like sixteen or seventeen. Right. She was a she was a child. Like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, you see movies with hackers as being teenagers or kids. That's a very kind of standard. Uh, trope in movies about or TV shows about computers and hacking. It's a lot of teenagers. But, you know, this show, it doesn't pull any punches when it comes to, you know, what the stakes are when you're doing that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I could just, I could sit here and fangirl Mr. Robot for a long time (laughs) because I I got so much love for it. But I also, I I want to, uh, I want to go back to, uh, to the wall that we had that Dom created and talk a little bit about why do you think Dom had Tyrell at the center of the wall? Right. Because she, she knows so much. Like Dom is brilliant. She's a brilliant strategist and she figured out so much. Why do you think that she thought Tyrell was at the center of the wall? Well, I think it's because he was the one who actually had some sort of status. I mean, obviously the dark army and everyone was, they were doing, everything they could to make that be the narrative that Tyrell was the one who started all of this and then you know so that they can then turn that narrative on its head when it turns out that he's been supposedly kept captive and forced to do these things but it is really it is really interesting because I I think like I said I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he was a rising star. He was this up and coming. He would have been CTO of his company if he hadn't been beaten out by that other guy. Whereas Elliot was just a techie, basically, who was working for this, you know, small time company that did cybersecurity. So I think that that's why, because he seemed like the big fish. So I think... In the same way that I think a lot of big conspiracy theories, I think that there is more to that than okay. just one of them is a big fish. I don't actually have a, a, a good solid theory as to why, but I honestly think that there's more to the the fact that that is there, that he was in the center of that wall. Just like I think there's more to when he was leaving the movie theater and there was someone having a problem with her shoes. Uh-huh. Like, that was very brief. But I think that there's more to that hmm. than we – because they focused on her for a moment. Therefore, she's important. I think the fact that they focused on the fact that Tyrell was in the center, I think it's important. But I don't know how yet. Well, I think the thing with the woman with the shoes is that that's what reminded him of the mosque. Because the kid had, had told him that he could take off his shoes and put them back on again without falling over. And so when he saw – the woman doing that, he went, oh, the kid might be at the mosque. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what was going on there. Um, But I definitely do think that, you know, there is more behind Tyrell because we still don't really know how and when Tyrell met Elliot, you know, because I don't think it was at All Safe. I don't think that's that's, uh, when he, he met him. Like, that's, that's when we see them meet for the first time. But I think that there was more going on, you know, either before that or maybe just after that. But there's definitely more where they first made that connection that I don't think we've actually seen yet. I think that we're missing a lot of that story. Yeah. I think Elliot's probably missing a lot of that story. 
because I think there's more of a connection between Mr. Robot and him than we know. And we know that there were meetings that they had. And by the time, well, the first time we hear the Red Wheelbarrow uh, story, we hear that, you know, it's Tyrell telling uh, Mr. Robot that they have clearly met several times prior to this. Right. And we don't know why. We don't know where. We don't know what their topic of conversation was. Right. We had not actually known that they had um, that they had met. The fact that we haven't been told a lot of that story yet definitely suggests that it's really important, and that they're going to be kind of revealing it, you know, as as the show goes on. I oh, the only thing I hope is I hope that it's very very shippy. It's all I hope. <laughs> You do that for me, Mr. Robot, and I will be one happy girl. Like, Seriously. Make sure it is as shippy as possible. Well, knowing the show, though, I can totally see them like, you know, yes, Angela and Elliot get together, and then, no, Angela gets killed. So I, I, I hope that, you know, they can, they can let the characters be happy, at least a little bit happy. I think what they're going to end up doing is they're going to have Angela and Elliot get together and either Mr. Robot takes over halfway through or Angela reveals that Mr. Robot, this is not the first time they've been together because she was with Mr. Robot once. Oh, God. Yeah, that would that and, would and be awkward. The mood, yeah. <laughs> I, I am very I'm another one that I would like to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and call is that she has absolutely been intimate with Mr. Robot. Yeah, I guess we'll see how things turn out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Can't wait to uh, hop on your show again after season four and we'll talk about more. Awesome. That would be great. Thank you for listening to the Hopeless Fancast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hopeless Fancast, on our Facebook page, The Hopeless Fancast, and find all of our episodes on hopelessfancast.com. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash thehopelessfancast to find out more. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.